Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Today on the show, I've got Brent Daughtry and Brooks Childress. Fun show for you today. The last show of the week is, again, on Friday, a doubleheader with Auburn softball will cause us not to have a show. So this will be the last show of the week. So a lot to do. I have to recap last night's game between Auburn and Ole Miss. Also look forward to Auburn and Kentucky on Saturday. Also, we'll have more Auburn baseball to talk about, and who better to do that with than the head baseball coach of Auburn University, Butch Thompson, will be on our show at 4.30. Don't want to miss that. We'll also have a ticket giveaway around that time as well. And a lot more to talk about, preview the weekend in sports, uh, birthdays in sports as always, nightly TV guide, and maybe even a what to watch for over the weekend as we conclude the show. And, of course, all of your calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. So a lot to do today, but we have a full show to do it. Again, Ryan, Brant, and Brooks with you here today. We'll start with you, Brant. Hope you're doing well today, sir. I'm doing great, man. Uh, yeah, Auburn basketball, I feel like, is going to be the main topic today. And, you know, not a, not a pretty win. Certainly not the kind of win that you wanted to have against a team like Ole Miss, but... You know, I think credit to Ole Miss. They came out and played really, really well defensively, especially in that second half, and really gave you fits uh, for for a long for a long time there. And you know, not not the result that you wanted from a scoring perspective, but you came out of there with a win in what Bruce Pearl called a must-win game. And you've got 19 wins on the season now. You feel pretty good about your NCAA tournament spot. Um, obviously, nothing's guaranteed until that comes out, but. You've you've beaten all of the bad teams you're going to face, except you had one away loss at Georgia, which is still a quad two loss uh, for the moment. So it's certainly not the worst thing in the world. But you know you, you've you've held serve as a top half of the SEC team, which is what you needed to do. And and now you've got these three games coming up against very very good teams um, at Kentucky, at Alabama, and then you have Tennessee at home. And all the players in their press conference today, and I think Bruce Pearl said it as well. You've got to take one of those last three, uh, and we'll talk more about those games as we get into this into this show. But yeah, not not a pretty win for Auburn basketball last night, but it was a win in a, a desperately needed situation. Brooks Childress also on the show today. Brooks, how are you doing, sir? I am doing great. It's been what two days since I've been on here, so yep, about forty eight hours since the last time I was on here. It's uh, Auburn basketball's gotten a win. Auburn baseball's gotten a win. Uh, Auburn softball got a big win last night, uh, and you're heading into a big weekend for Auburn athletics. A lot of stuff going on on campus, and 
a lot of stuff uh, going on around the Auburn sports sphere. So it's going to be a fun show to talk about. And, you know, last night, Auburn basketball versus Ole Miss, a little closer than you wanted it to be. Ole Miss hung around that basketball game. They, they played some some good basketball. Auburn could not quite put them away when it came. You know, they, they had a, the big lead. What was it? A big, largest lead was like a 12-point lead. It was a like 12-point lead with, I think, 12 minutes to go in the game, something and, like that. And Ole Miss was able to claw their ways back their way back into it and uh you know the tigers just haven't you know continue to have trouble in the late game situations but uh showed resilience last night and getting a win over a close win over a, a team at home and now you get on get ready to go on the road against kentucky page turns quickly as uh they'll travel to lexington tomorrow i know like you said brant the players and bruce met with the media earlier this afternoon so already that pre uh pre pre weekend meeting with the media has gone down uh auburn softball pretty convincing win over uab it was it was a run rule. It wasn't as big as it, as as some run rules that we've seen for this Tigers team, but it it you know the 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 game never felt like UAB was really in it. It felt like Auburn dominated that from the front. I'm, I apologize for the local UAB fan. Um, oh, I'm I like both. I I, I know, understand I, UAB's. I place. just didn't want to. I just I just wanted to put that out there before yeah. criticizing UAB. No, um, they're but, not as good as Auburn. It's not close. It it, it was <laughs> Auburn felt like they dominated that game from the the onset, and they got a run rule victory and heading into a big weekend of. Uh, the Plainsman invite where you've got, you know, three teams coming into town against the Tigers that Auburn should, you know, take care of business this weekend, continue to build that uh, that record up and get ready for conference play here in a couple weeks. And yeah, it was it was a fun weekend. Auburn baseball getting set to host USC starting tomorrow. And can't wait to talk about that with uh, Butch Thompson and can't wait to talk about all of the sports world headlines and everything with all of you guys and all of our callers. Yeah, a lot to get to, lot to get to, excuse me, for the show today. Again, final show of the week with no show on Friday due to more Auburn softballs. They got another big five-game uh, series. I shouldn't say series, but five-game tournament this weekend uh, that starts on Friday with a doubleheader. Again, beautiful weather uh, if you can keep the rain away uh, as we got the upper 70s, low 80s almost uh feels like spring out there which that temperature i don't think anyone would would be uh against in april or may however i guess a lot of people in february fair to uh, say that would not be as ideal but uh nevertheless gonna be a great weekend for both softball and baseball at home now with that usc series moving for auburn baseball but let's get back to uh what happened last night inside of neville arena auburn defeating ole miss 78 to 74 did verify that the largest lead was 12 in the second half. Auburn led by 12 with about 17 minutes left. It was 49-37 that point. Ole Miss took a, a took a lead a couple of different times in the second half. Their last lead was with about five and a half minutes to go. Auburn then had it tied, and it was tied till about uh, just under five minutes to go. Uh, but definitely a nerve-wracking game against a team that was not anticipated to be able to do that. Auburn actually won the game in Oxford easier than they won the game last night. Uh, Auburn falls three spots in the net ranking for that for that close victory against the bad team. They fell from 30th to 33rd. We've talked a lot throughout the winter about net ranking kind of taking into account uh, the way that you beat teams, not just that you beat teams. So uh, with all that in mind, uh, we've been wanting them to, to win a close game, guys, but 
uh, uh, having to play a close game against Ole Miss was, was not exactly how we wanted to have it happen. Yeah, I'd rather the five-point win at the very end come against Tennessee or Kentucky or even Alabama, but uh, unfortunately did not happen that way. Um, but, y- you know, you, you had to show up and – and still realize that hey we we've got to make our shots we've got to play good defense and you finally saw that you know and everything that everything that kind of went down uh, last night showed that you can do it even if it's against a bad team you've shown that it, you have the ability to close out these close games and now that you've shown you can do it against an Ole Miss team maybe now you can do it against one of these better teams that you've got coming up here uh, the next couple of weeks yeah Auburn. Look, you've got to win the game at the end of the day. They did do that. Um, they're going to have to win a close one, though, against a good team. This did not satisfy that that requirement to them being able to figure out how to make a run in the postseason. Uh, I think when we're analyzing the play of Auburn last night, what went wrong for them, you know, the, the, the 78 points uh, is not a bad thing. I know they've had some boom performances at home where they've scored in the 80s and 90s but 78 is not a low number for this Auburn basketball team they certainly had a stretch there during the 10 or 13-0 run whatever it was where uh there where they had a, a couple minutes of offensive drought few minutes of offensive drought they had a few turnovers in a row uh, but overall for the game offense not bad uh the, the defense though I felt Ole Miss got to the rim and really beat up Auburn on the glass for most of that game until Janai Broom started a block party late in the second half Ole Miss had out-rebounded Auburn and they still out-rebounded Auburn ultimately 38 to 28 and they got to the rim well they 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 did a lot of things uh, on the dribble penetration that again Auburn has struggled with with some better guards but of course Ole Miss not really known for that so I I thought the defensive performance was a little disappointing now uh, a positive for Auburn is that early in the year uh, the Tigers were a very poor free throw shooting team overall. They've had some several good free throw performances in a row. Go figure, even at home against Ole Miss, they did not shoot more foul shots than Ole Miss did. Ole Miss shot 32, Auburn shot 24. But if the percentages were different for these two teams, the result would have been different because Auburn was 22 of 24 from the foul line, 91%, to Ole Miss 20 of 32, which was 62%. If you reverse those percentages or even just kind of narrow them, uh, Auburn probably does not win that game. So this is a game where in free throw shooting, as a matter of fact, really helped Auburn tremendously. Absolutely. And we touched on it earlier this season. Wendell Green's been getting to the line a lot. He's an undersized guard who likes to go to the rim, so he's going to draw a lot of fouls. That's part of his game. But we, we've known the entire time he's a really good free throw shooter. At one point in the season, made, I think, 27 free throws in a row, something like that. Uh, but we talked about it in the non-conference. Janai Broom was shooting under 50%. And since the start of conference play, he's shooting closer to 70, 75, something like that. He's shooting a lot better uh, since the start of conference play. So he has gotten a lot better throughout the season. Uh, Auburn is doing a better job of just getting to the line in general, which is usually going to bump your numbers up. So the free throw line, the free throw numbers going up is really uh, impressive. I, I want to touch on something that you said a second ago. The the defense, you're right. You, you let Ole Miss score far too many points. But to add a little nuance to it, I don't think the defense in itself played that poorly. The problem was that you got – 
how many offensive rebounds did Ole Miss have? Do you have that stat on you? Because it was yeah, they way, had seventeen. Way yonder too many, and that's the thing. the 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 thing you have to look at there is they're not bigger than Auburn. They're not better athletes than Auburn. And if you are bigger and more athletic than the team you're playing against, and you still get out rebounded. It means you got out hustled. They worked harder for it, and that's what's concerning to me. Um, and I think a little bit of it falls on Janai Broom, but obviously rebounding is a team statistic. But I, I still think Janai Broom, for a large part of it, did not rebound very well. Now, you touched on him in the final few minutes. I think I saw a stat last night. In the final like 13 minutes of that game, Janai Broom had five blocks and like 10 points and several rebounds. So he really picked up his play in crunch time as well. But the effort on the on the boards, not just from Janai, but from the team as a whole, in the first half and 10 minutes of the second half was not good enough and Bruce Pearl said it in the postgame presser if you play like that against Kentucky you're going to get beat by 40. Yeah I was literally just about to say that it's that this Auburn team was able to to gut out a a close win against Ole Miss last night four point win and but the big story and Bruce Pearl talked about in his postgame last night talked about it postgame radio last night got a rebound better and you know we we saw that last night if, and you, like you said Brant Bruce said last night if you get out rebounded like that at Kentucky you're, you're going to lose by 40 um if, if you're this Tigers team it it's it's something that you know it it feels like there's it, it you've been working on it throughout the year but it still hasn't really clicked yet it and it, it's you know at this point you're like is it going to click because you're you're so close to tournament time you're so close to the end of the season but you've got to get in there you've got to fight for 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 rebounds you've got on both ends of the, the court you can't just run down and i know they're not popping threes like they have been in the last few years because it's this isn't a three-point shooting team but you can't just take the shot then run back the other way you've got to get in there you got to fight for an, for offensive boards you got to get down low on the defensive side and fight for rebounds down there or else you know the, these last three games i know can Kentucky hasn't been the Kentucky team that we've seen these last few years, but they're still a talented bunch of a bunch of kids. They beat Florida last night. Um, Oscar Sheboy is still there. Oscar Sheboy is still on that basketball team. There's still some lottery uh, or not some lottery. There's still some five stars on that basketball team. Um, and you've got Kentucky, you've got Alabama, and you've got Tennessee coming to uh, coming up in these next three games. And if you you know if if you don't fight for rebounds. The other team is going. The the other three teams that you're seeing are going to fight for those rebounds. And it, like Bruce said, you don't win those battles. You may not. You're probably not going to win those basketball games. And we will have a lot more on Kentucky, the matchup that Auburn's about to face. Some details on how rough of a road it's been in Rupp Arena uh, for the Auburn Tigers. We need to take our first break of the show. However, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line and have birthdays and sports coming up after this timeout. <laughs> Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
this Thursday. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Brooks Childress with you here. Going to be a fun show today again at 4.30. Auburn baseball coach Butch Thompson will be on our airwaves. We appreciate the opportunity to chat with him. We, we talked to head softball coach Mickey Dean to preview the season a couple weeks ago. And we'll have Butch Thompson on here in about an hour to talk all things baseball. As just four games in the baseball season, but also very exciting already at 3-1 and one and hosting USC this weekend as opposed to going out to Southern California. Of course, it has its benefits and its drawbacks. Would have been a great opportunity to go out to SoCal and, and play that historic program out in Los Angeles. But now you bring that historic program to Plainsman Park, and I think tickets are about sold out, I, I, I want to say. I know they were selling them here the last couple of days, but yeah. uh, the tickets have gone fast again. I know that people don't want to see 80 degrees in February. I totally understand that. But objectively speaking, if you're going to go out to the ballpark, mid to upper 70s, pretty good weather for that. So uh, looking forward to, to Auburn and USC this weekend. I'm going to say, would you rather watch baseball in upper to mid 70s or upper to mid 40s? Right. There's there's your options there because you fe- February in in you know East Central Alabama is one of those two usually. And so which one would you rather watch baseball in? That, that's the biggest question here if you're complaining about the weather for this weekend. It would have been, like you said, would have been a great opportunity for the Tigers to go out there and play on the West Coast because you saw last year um, they, they went to Arlington. And they they played out in there, but that's still a central time zone game. The, when it came to tournament time, you did get to host, but then your super regional was on the West Coast, and you hadn't had that experience to get you know transitioning all those time zones. You've gone you know last year you know obviously you go to the Eastern time zone a lot with some of the SEC uh, teams that you play, and you're pretty much in the Central time zone. But one going you know getting an early season test on the road at a at a pretty good baseball environment out there in uh, SoCal. But also transitioning those time zones and, you know, make sure that you're, you know, you know what's going to happen if you do, you know, it goes come tournament time and you do have to go back out west to play, you know, a USC, a UCLA, an Oregon State again, maybe. Um, it, it helps to get that under your belt, that experience under your belt early in the year so you know what to, what to expect in later portions of the year. But still, it, you know... It, it's going to be a great environment. It's going to be a great series this weekend, even though it is here in uh, at Plainsman Park. But that that plays into Auburn's hands. And now you get the home crowd on your side. I'm sure there was going to be a few Auburn fans that made the trek out there, and some Auburn West Coast Auburn fans that would have you know showed up at uh, USC. But now you get a, a house full of your of your Auburn fans in front of a team that's you know could be a tournament team at the end of the year. Uh, and it should be a really, really fun weekend for the Tigers. Absolutely. We are looking forward to it again. Uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday inside of Plainsman Park. Probably 6 o'clock Friday night, yep. 2 p.m. on Saturday, mm-hmm. and noon on Sunday, those first pitch times. And I'll tell you what, for, for Auburn fans, uh, you don't have to deal with – it was supposed to be like two 8.30 starts, so you don't have to deal with late-night baseball. You get them you know, like a 6 o'clock and a 2 o'clock game for those first two games. Absolutely. All right. To all of our Sports Call callers and guests, join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Let's go to that Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today at 334-887-341 locally or toll free one 9 tiger 9 First up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? James, you there? Do we have James? 
Yeah. All right. Oh, there, there we go. I, there. Now we hear you. How are you, James? Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. And I know that y'all were talking about Auburn and Old Miss, and I actually did see a little bit of that game. And I was looking at Denai Broom, and I think he looks like an NBA uh, star that might make it into the NBA. Well, we certainly saw that with Walker Kessler last year, and Janai Broom a little bit older than Kessler was. I know Ke- uh, that will make Broom's road more difficult to try and, and get into the NBA, but uh, we know he had a big impact last night, and uh, we mentioned the block shots in the second half. That was very important to start to protect the rim, and he's obviously played a pivotal role in this team and will continue to do so. Yes, as well, because I'm actually looking at this game this weekend when we play against Kentucky um, if I did say that schedule right for uh, this weekend. Yeah, it's Kentucky this weekend. Yes, yeah, so I think with this game being played at home, if we're playing at home in Neville Arena against Kentucky, I would actually see, um, you know, Janiah Broom actually making a lot of more shots um, on offense and a lot of block shots on, on defense as well. So I think with this game, and Auburn actually did play Kentucky um, once before, and um, you know in Rough Arena over there in Kentucky with uh, with a great basketball program as well. And I'm I'm looking at this time around and seeing what Auburn is actually going to bring um, back home, uh, you know, for the eighth time this year against Kentucky as well. And then I'm looking at some other games you know in the near future when when um college basketball um wraps up um you know at the end of february to like the beginning of march madness so i'm probably seeing uh some some great teams that are going to be coming to neville arena in 2024 and in 2025 as well yeah, uh, Auburn hasn't played Kentucky yet this year, uh, James. They, they, this is going to be the first meeting between the two, so they're going to play up in uh, Rupp Arena on Saturday. So it's one game this year versus Kentucky. It's going to be on the road on Saturday. Uh, do, does that change your, your projection for Janai Broom? Um, yes. Well, actually, I'm actually looking at if we go up to Rupp Arena and actually seeing what Janai Broom is going to do. I know he's going to do a lot of great uh, three-point shots and um, he has a really good ball handling skill, so I'll have to actually compare him to uh, one of the uh, NBA uh, legendary basketball players from back in the day. Probably I could actually compare him to like Bill Russell or Kevin Garnett or um, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, just to name a few of those guys that actually uh, would would actually uh, compare him side by side to some of the. Uh, NBA Hall of Famers as well. Yeah, James, obviously that would be very lofty praise. I, I don't know if Janai will ever get to that level, but certainly making, again, a big impact uh, at Auburn, and, and that's what the Tigers needed after losing Walker Kessler last year, bringing in Janai Broom from Moorhead State and, and trying to get something big done, literally and figuratively, uh, to, to replace Kessler, and Broom has been very good for Auburn. Yes, as well, because I, I actually really do see a lot of great things coming out of Janiah Broom um, on and off the court for Auburn. So I think Auburn might take this one in, in a 65-66 to 66 win as well. One-point win for the Tigers. Um, interesting. Yes, as well, because I'm actually looking at uh, some 
some great things that are going to be coming out of Auburn when we actually play uh, in tournament uh, time that's going to be right around the corner. So I'm just going to keep my hopes up and uh, seeing if they'll actually make it to the tournament in uh, Nashville, Tennessee as well. Yeah, trying to make it to the SEC tournament uh, and then trying to uh, get to that NCAA tournament for this Auburn men's basketball team. Auburn women's basketball, James plays tonight against Georgia. You ready for that one? Um, I will be listening to that one as well because, I mean, with this one, uh, I actually do see a lot of great things coming out of the uh, Lady Tigers and uh, seeing what they're actually going to do um, at home in Neville Arena and uh, seeing um, if they can beat the Lady Bulldogs because I've actually seen these two teams actually play, um, you know, not in person, but maybe somewhere like on national TV or something and actually seeing a great, uh, a great team, uh, team based, uh, game that Auburn actually has played and they really play pretty good as well and they work together as a team in unison as well. Yeah, they're going to have to work together as a team for sure when they're taking on tough Georgia team. That one is in Athens tonight. Georgia uh, above Auburn in the standings, obviously rivals, but Auburn needing one more win to guarantee that they're going to to get a bye in the SEC Women's Tournament, which starts next week. So hopefully Auburn can accomplish that, and Georgia will be a tough test tonight, though. Yes, that's well, because I would be looking at the uh, Auburn – uh, Lady Tigers and seeing if they're going to punch their ticket into the uh, tournament next week. So I'm just going to see how they're going to do either in the first round of the tournament or in the second round of the tournament next week as well. So I just have to see um, where where the uh, selection is going to actually put Auburn on that uh, on that tournament ride as well. We will see indeed. What else is on your mind today, James? Well, I'm actually getting ready for a good, good classic HBCU uh, classic football game that's going to be coming up real soon. And this will be my second time actually watching this on the NFL Network and uh, seeing some great uh, historic uh, greatness being played in, uh, in Tulane University, one of the best universities in Louisiana. And this one is really going to be my second time watching the HBCU Classic once again for the second time this year. What's your favorite part of the game? Um, just to actually see uh, the traditions and the history of the HBCU uh, universities and actually seeing some some of the great legends of the past that actually played in historic black colleges and universities as well. well that's awesome. I, uh, it should be a fun, fun time. What else you got for us today? Well, I'm actually uh, looking at some NFL draft news because the NFL is right around the corner, and I'm actually seeing um, who's gonna who's gonna actually come to the Cowboys. Uh, so we got a lot of different changes uh, to the Cowboys roster. I know we're going to be losing Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Michael Parsons might be um, a, a, you know in the draft, you know, trying to actually you know go to a different team and seeing what uh, key pieces that we need to actually make this uh, Dallas Cowboys a Super Bowl contender around uh, Dak Prescott as well. 
I know Ezekiel Elliott is a free agent, I believe, but but I think Micah Parsons, or maybe they're wanting him to restructure his deal, but Micah Parsons is under contract, so he's definitely going to be a, a Cowboy next year. But we'll see who the Cowboys end up drafting. Of course, that draft at the end of April or 1st of May feels like it gets moved back another week each and every year, but still a couple months away from the NFL draft. Yes, because I'm actually um, looking at, like, on the – scouting combine for the NFL. I'm going to be watching that this coming up March. And I'm going to see a lot of uh, familiar faces from Auburn, actually, and seeing uh, some great players that I've known over the years at Auburn and uh, seeing if they're going to edge their name in the uh, in the scouting combine as well. And maybe, uh, you know, seeing where they're going to land when the uh, draft actually comes up in April and uh, or in April or in May as well. Yesterday, James, you mentioned that you wanted a couple of uh, NFL draft trivia questions today. So I, I've got a couple ready for you if you if you want them still. Uh, yes, I will. All right. Uh, first question today. What year was Cam Newton selected first overall by the Carolina Panthers? Um, I will actually have to say that would be 2010. Very close. He was on the 2010 Auburn Tigers football team. Uh, but technically, the next year was when he was drafted. So the um, I will actually have to say I will give a hard kick on this one. I'll have to say mm, 2011. There it is. 2011 was the NFL draft that Cam Newton was selected in. All right, this one is in the way back machine. What okay. ye- what year was the first NFL draft ever held? Oh, I would actually have to say that would be 1973 in New York, New York as well. And I think this one was actually 1973 in a ballroom in New York City. So we got to go even further back than that, though, unfortunately, James. So the first NFL draft, you want another guess? Um, Yes, I'll take another guess at this one. I'll probably say, I would have to say the 1973. 40. Okay, we're getting close. Go back just a little bit further. Mm, I'll probably say I'll go back mm, probably the 30s. There you go. 1936 uh, was the first ever NFL draft at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel uh, in Philadelphia. So that was the first ever NFL draft way back in 1936. And then I'll give you one more here, James. Which college has produced the most draft picks in NFL history? Um, I would actually have to say this college would have to have the most draft picks. I would actually have to say that would be no other than Auburn University. That would be very nice if that were true, but it is not, unfortunately. This team is not in the SEC. That has the most ever picks in the NFL draft. Um, I will actually have to say I know it's not the University of Alabama. Correct, because it's not in not in the SEC. Okay, so I will have to say mm, I'll probably say Grambling University. Not quite. Uh, this school is a very historic university. Uh, I'll give you a hint. One last hint. This team does not currently compete in a conference for college football. They are not in a conference. Mm. They're not in a conference. 
I would actually have to say that would be the University of Miami. Not quite. They are in the ACC. It is Notre Dame, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Oh, okay, yes. It, it, yeah, because I, um, yeah, I did uh, get like a little, like a little video going on in my head of uh, of the classic movie Rudy when um, he was actually trying to go into uh, the University of Notre Dame, and one of the coaches was actually asking Rudy, um, "Do you know?" Uh, he was asking him, do you know what year did the Notre Dame Fighting Irish actually won a national championship? And he said he didn't have a clue, but on the main, on the board behind the coach, it said, um, the actual year that Notre Dame did not win a national championship for the University of Notre Dame. And that was in 1936. So that was actually a, um, it was like a bonus piece in the movie as well. So you can actually see it clear on the board as well. Well, all right, then. That's a good good little uh, nugget right there. Well, James, do you have any other final thoughts for us before we let you go today? Um, I do not have any final thoughts, but I do have one final thought. This coming up Sunday is going to be a pay-per-view match between uh, Jake Paul. So it's going to be a really, really good uh, fight between Jake Paul and I know he's not a boxer but I don't know if he's going to win this Sunday but I just have to see um, what sources might tell me otherwise well we will look forward to that I, I think uh, I think JJ would be interested in that fight on Sunday if I know JJ and I feel like I do pretty well so I'm sure he'll be trying to tune into that one and uh, James I hope you enjoy that fight then all right sounds good and I'll talk to you all guys next week Sounds good, James. War Eagle. All right, War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our last break of hour number one. Back to wrap things up for the first hour right after this. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Thursday. Ryan Brandt and Brooks with you here. There's a lot of B's involved in the show today. Brandt, Brooks, Butch Thompson at 4.30. I thought you were talking about 
like the insect and i said i hope not <laughs> i uh i called a pest control service earlier today are the wasps for in the wasps no not for okay. in here for my for Ooh. for just for my home okay, okay? just the place just i live sure brooks is very paranoid about yeah no things. i i came outside my house luckily none of them have made their way in like they did last year uh but i i, I walked out of my house this morning and like did a once over because i saw a couple flying around and uh, I didn't count, but no less than 15 wasps flying around the exterior of my home. And so, and so that's why you don't like that warm weather is already here. Because correct, the, that's that means the flying things I, are back. <laughs> so I, I, I remember looking back at my Twitter um, just because I was curious as to when it started. Because I was like, did it start about this time last year? It was March 3rd, I think. I first tweeted about finding a wasp in my house. So we're getting to that time. Close. And, wow. Uh, and it's also like it's it's warm. It was when it started warming up again, and it's that's where we are. And so, uh, yeah, last year I kind of took care of it myself, and I don't want to do that anymore. So <laughs> that is fair. You I know, have I have called the man. Look, if Brooks will recall here, uh, we did have a wasp problem. What two years ago? At the station, there's a couple nests outside. Oh yeah, and yeah. Tom Peavy. I thought you were talking. I remember. About I found that nest. Okay, I remember no, it was finding a year that ago nest. then, not two. I thought you were talking. It might have been. When... It was around. It was around summer. No, it was around August because that's what it was when I first got here. Okay, so, so it was two years ago. Yeah. It was just okay. Yeah, I thought you were uh, eighteen months or referring so. to when we had the string of yellow jackets get in the back of the back of the station and come after us. If you're just now listening, why do we that, live here? <laughs> everything that flies. This sucks. <laughs> Has uh, been involved stink bugs from time to time. Well, that's oh, yeah. just like year round. Yeah, at like, least yeah. at least those are not things that bite. they don't hurt you. Yeah. No, they just smell. They're not. If pleasant. you try to kill them, um, but hopefully you don't have a wasp situation build like last year. Yeah, I yeah, know hopefully. they're I know they're hovering around outside. But let's keep them outside. Yeah, they, and, I'm okay. I would be fine if I was like, yeah, they're gonna they're outside, but they're gonna stay outside as long as they don't stick around outside. Right. But no, they're they found a way in last year. So hopefully that does not happen again. But anyway, back to what I was saying was that you got Brent, you got Brooks, Butch Thompson coming on later. No bees. We, we've talked about Bruce Pearl. No insects with bees. If this is the all bees show, again, not the, not the bees that fly. Not Should I bees. change my name to Brian? People think oh. I'm named Brian half the time anyway. That's that's great. Wrong, that's excellent. So. I think you should go further. I should, think you should be Brian Bravoy. Change your last That's name too. That's a bit much. You, you guys don't have last name. Brian Bavoy. Brian Bavoy. I th- Blavoy. No, take the L out. It's just Bavoy. Okay. Well, he didn't take the R out of Ryan to make it Brian. Oh, true. It's not buying. Bavoy. It's Brian. <laughs> no one's going to be buying into this segment if we <laughs> keep going. So, uh, without further ado, with about five minutes left in this first hour, let's get today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Just want to remind folks, we've won two Abbeys. Right. <laughs> and, a, and another B word here, by the way, by doing birthdays. Oh. Birthdays in sports is presented by Max Credit Union. Two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. we got a double B in the birthdays, too, when we get to it. Oh, <laughs> let's just start with that one then. Ah, yes, we B- are. Bobby Bonilla That's... turned 60. Yes! Yes. Third baseman, right My hero. Signed as a free agent by the Pirates in 1981. Also played for the White Sox, Mets, Orioles, Marlins, Dodgers, Braves, and Cardinals. Six-time All-Star 1997 World Series champion of the Marlins. Three-time Silver Slugger Award winner. Bobby Bonilla Day. Contract payments with the Mets. Every July 1st from 2011 to 2035. 
because of a contract buyout in 2000. So we're about halfway home, Mets. <laughs> about halfway there. I My freaking hero, Bobby Bonilla, all right? A million dollars every year to do nothing. To not play baseball. <laughs> and you just get to remind the Mets fans every year about that contract, right. too. We need to celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day on July 1st. I don't know how we're going to do it yet, but we're going to do it. Do we have a show July 1st, though? I'm going to bring a cake in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Reasons to eat cake. Bobby Bonilla Day. That's right. Ed Tutal Jones turned 72. Defensive end. First overall pick in the 1974 draft by the Dallas Cowboys out of Tennessee State. Let's go Tigers. Spent entire 15-year career, career with Dallas. Super Bowl champion. 1974 all-rookie team. Three-time Pro Bowler, 1982 first-team first team, All-Pro. Two-time second-team All-Pro as well. Was a first-team All-American at Tennessee State. Two-time Black College Football champ, National Champion. National uh, 15, excuse me, named the 15th anniversary Senior Bowl All-Time Team in 1999. 2013, Black College Football Hall of Fame inductee as Ed Jones turns 72. Charles Tillman turns 42, also called Peanut. 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 Great name, cornerback, 35th overall pick for the Bears in the 2003 NFL Draft out of Louisiana Lafayette. Let's go Cajuns. At least at that time was Lafayette. Of course, they will get very mad at you if you do not say Louisiana now. Yeah, they can deal with it. Played 12 seasons for the Bears as well as one season with the Carolina Panthers. Two-time Pro Bowler, 2012 first-team All-Pro, 2012 NFL leader in forced fumbles. 2013 Walter Payton Man of the Year, one of the, one of the 100 greatest bears of all time. I don't know how you need to have 100 greatest bears of all time, but their older franchise holds NFL record for most forced fumbles in a season with 10. It's called the Peanut Punch for a reason. Charles Tillman, Peanut Tillman, turns 42 today. The Peanut Punch. And that sounds like a fight move out of like South Georgia. <laughs> the Peanut Punch or Dothan. So, <laughs> sure. Andrew Wiggins turns 28. Or a, it could be a carnival game at the Peanut Festival. Yeah. Step on down and play the Peanut Punch, folks. Brand are you, wants are you, you done? not talk. No, are I'm you done? done? I'm done. Okay. They can <laughs> move on. Andrew Wiggins turns 28. Current small forward in the NBA. First overall selection in the 2014 draft out of Kansas. Let's go Jayhawks. Traded by the Cavs for the Timberwolves prior to the 2014-15 season. Played there for six seasons before trading to traded to his current team, the Golden State Warriors. 2015 Rookie of the Year, 2022 NBA All-Star and NBA Champion. At Kansas, Wiggins earned Big 12 Freshman of the Year, was first team All-Big 12, consensus second team All-American. Coming out of high school, Wiggins was the number one recruit in the 2013 class and was named Gatorade National Player of the Years. I believe his nickname is Maple Jordan. Andrew, because he is from Canada originally. Andrew Wiggins turns 28 today. That's kind of a lame nickname. Probably the most polarizing basketball player that I can think of because either he's like MVP ceiling and everyone wants him because that's the type of player he can be or he's just a bust and he sucks and, you know, he's never going to realize that potential. Or I, I think he's probably somewhere in the middle as just an average basketball player. I was about player. to say, guess what? Neither one's true. He is a good contributing player on a very good team. He is not at a stud. He is, in a sense, a bust because the number one pick did not become a Hall of Famer, but he's also a starter in the NBA. So he's not like Anthony Bennett, who busted all the way out of the huh. NBA like two years. So those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Ed Tutal Jones at 72, Charles Peanut Tillman at 42, Andrew Maple Jordan Wiggins at 28, and Bobby, I'm still getting paid, Bania at age 60. I think we should make up nicknames if nobody has a nickname. 
because we had Too Tall, Peanut, and Maple Jordan. Yeah. And then Bobby Bonilla doesn't really have a nickname, but we got still getting paid. <laughs> yeah. Maple Jordan also sounds like the nickname you should give the the winner of the International Pancake Eating Festival. <laughs> like, now that one, that one I can get on board with. Uh, that one would be a good one. There's Maple Jordan stepping to the stage. To stack of consume pancakes. about 50 pancakes here. <laughs> All right. Out of time for hour number one. When we come back, Retire Ward AMC will lead off hour number two. And again, Butch Thompson, the head baseball coach of Auburn University at 430. Stay tuned. More sports call after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress today. Again, final show of the week. Auburn softball doubleheader coming up tomorrow. So two more hours with you this week, and we got a little bit of a a little different thing coming up in just a second. Retire William Steve will be on the show in a couple minutes. And then at 4.30, Butch Thompson, the Auburn baseball head coach, will be with us to kind of talk all things with his program. A little bit about coming up with USC, but also just kind of in general the state of the program. Before we get back to our Auburn Bank phone line, though, something a little different today. This kind of is like a smaller version of a Wacky Wednesday where we've tried items on Wacky Wednesday before. Brooks has uh, gone to town on a local convenience store oh, yesterday. Oh, yeah, we have. And he bought a bunch of different things yesterday, and I'm going to let him tell you about one thing, and we're going to try it live and get a quick reaction uh, before we progress through the show. So I I love trying new stuff. Like, if I see a Taco Bell commercial come on the air for their, like, 15th new taco this week, <laughs> I, I'm probably going to try it soon because I, I just love trying new stuff. Uh, so I saw this advertised a couple weeks ago, and Dr. Pepper has come out with a new flavor. And I think, if I know if I, if I saw it correctly, this is, like, a permanent flavor. Like, they've released okay. this, and it's going to stick around. Like, it's their first permanent flavor in a couple years. Oh, please be good, then. And so it is... Dr. Pepper, because you know they've got Dr. Pepper, they've got 
uh, what is it? Cream soda, Dr. Yes. Pepper. Yes. That's mm-hmm. like a permanent one. Uh, they've got, you know, cherry, Dr. Cherry. cherry. Yeah. And this is Dr. Pepper strawberries and cream. So, okay. Cause when I'm smelling this, yeah, I was about to say, don't think I'm stupid. Cause I definitely smell the strawberries, but I smell not vanilla, but uh, it reminded you know it, me of the cream soda, Dr. Pepper. You know what it, re- you know what it reminds me of now that I smell it more is the like the the you'd go to the ice cream truck and you had like the strawberry shortcake ice cream uh-huh. bar that's what it reminds me of when i smell it okay all right we ready we're gonna go for this i am ready. cheers all right, live radio drinking <laughs> liquids <laughs> hmm hang on i, got I think one the more smell is stronger than the taste i think so too i like it a lot i like it a lot because it's definitely not regular dr pepper I took I took all of mine in 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 one. I just I've like got the Dr. bottle, so I can't do that. That's true. <laughs> I, I can. I just like Doctor Pepper products, man. Doctor Pepper. Yeah, they're Dr. good. Pepper. They're good. Um, what did I taste there? It tastes a little bit like a, I don't want to say weaker, but maybe like a softer Doctor Pepper taste with more of the strawberry yeah. and the cream kind of counteracts the pepper yeah. itself. Well, I Have hate we ever figure out what the 23 flavors I of Dr. Pepper I was just about is? to say, I hate <laughs> to go down this road because I feel like once a year there's a, a viciously long conversation about trying to figure out like what are all the actual flavors in Dr. Pepper because they touted that. That was a marketing campaign for them. Carbonated to, water is one of them. To have the 23 flavors and all distinct flavors, blah, blah, blah. But that feels like that would be one of them. Yeah, it feels like every time Dr. Pepper maybe does a uh, new flavor, it may be already a flavor that's in it, They're just, but they just bring it out. Just It's becoming just a, a primary more. flavor. Yeah. yeah, a primary I, flavor. I have found what appears to be an unofficial list on lift after, listafterlist.com. It's definitely not straight Dr. Pepper. Like, I know no. yes. like we've, we've had enough experiences at SEC Media Days of only having Dr. Pepper to drink <laughs> that... <laughs> This is not straight Dr. Pepper. And it's not cherry Dr. Pepper yeah. either. No. It, it does. It, I do it, taste like the strawberry and It's the like cream. you said. It's like a muted Dr. Pepper taste, and they've just brought the strawberries mm-hmm. taste up a, little, up a little bit more. But I, I still think it's like what I said. As soon as I drank it, the, the smell of it is stronger than the actual yes. taste. There's a lot more strawberry in the smell than the actual taste, but you can yeah. still taste it a little bit. What were some? Was strawberry one of those flavors? Strawberry is not okay. one of the flavors. Raspberry is. Mm. It's and th- again, this is unofficial. I have no idea yeah. if this is true, but this is the first result that pops up on Google: amaretto, almond, blackberry, black licorice, carrot, clove, cherry, caramel, cola, ginger, juniper, lemon, molasses, nutmeg, orange, prune, plum, pepper, root beer, rum, raspberry, tomato, and vanilla. Tomato. That's what it says. <laughs> Again, <laughs> so I, is, I don't is, know how official this is. Is Dr. Pe- Dr. Pepper a Bloody Dr. Mary Pepper. mix? <laughs> That's the new real question. As, as someone who avoids Bloody Marys like the plague, I do not know. Interesting. We This also will serve as a reminder. Uh, we absolutely will bring back Wacky Wednesday uh, starting once basketball season ends. So the, that will we will call them kind of the off-season where – not uh, not as much stuff related to Auburn to talk about. And uh, we will have some town named Tuesdays come back. We will have Wacky Wednesdays. Those will come in all forms and fashions because sometimes it will be us taste-testing things and the, 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 the quality of radio might, might, uh, might be different compared to what we're taste-testing. But we'll also have story time with Tom 
uh, what was it? Straight. Uh, sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. Uh, and so we will have all that come back here within the next few weeks. You know what? I just I, I just thought about this when I was smelling it, and it reminded me about. I was think I was thinking, and it may just be because my mind went to this this thing. I was thinking since Easter's coming up here, not not too much longer. Peeps usually comes out with some new flavors. The more I smell this, it's this smells like the strawberry peeps. Like they've got strawberry flavored peeps. That's what this smells like. It's strawberry peeps. I've exactly never like that it. Before, so I will take your word for it. Like I opened the package of strawberry peeps. This is the same. It's the same smell. Interesting. I will, again, I will take your mm. word for it. Uh, all right, let's go back towards uh, normal show content. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Next up on the Auburn Bank phone line, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Uh, much better now since uh, listening uh, to some of this wacky stuff about the strawberry and cream. Uh, Brent, did I hear you say the ingredients list did not include strawberry at all? That's what that particular list said. Wow. But it's called strawberries and cream, though. That's interesting. Just yeah, added the flavor I just in. Added, added to it, I guess. Okay. Well, uh, I wonder if they're going to make it available uh, at the soda fountains. You like the drive-ins, uh, you know, fast food restaurants. Yeah, if it gets popular enough, I mean, look, if, if Brooks said it's going to be a permanent flavor, we know the the Coke products do the Coke freestyle machines now. So half the fast food restaurants, and I know movie theaters out there, you can get any flavor that they have under the sun. And Dr. Pepper is usually, it depends on the machine, but sometimes is in those Coke freestyle machines. So you can get all different variations of it. So it wouldn't surprise me if it becomes at least somewhat available out, out in other places. Okay, well, thanks for sharing uh, that uh, Food Network uh, information (laughs) there. All right, about last night's game, guys. You know, Ron, I was like you uh, and the rest of the guys, that I wanted to see us win a game and finish it that was going to be close. This was not one of those games, guys, that I wanted that to to be. Right. This was not it. I was looking forward to last night, you probably got in mind, that we were going to mop the floor with them, you know, uh, by 20 at least points. That didn't happen. In fact, we were in danger of losing the darn game. And to let you know exactly why this happened the way it did, uh, I'm looking here at the final stats. These come from uh, uh, from Nathan King. Yeah, uh, This was atrocious. Offensive rebound, 17. Seven for us. Are you serious? And then defensive rebounds, which we're supposed to be really good at, they matched us 21 we had 21. This was atrocious. Bench points, they had 20. We had 8. And they almost matched them points in the paint. 34, tied 32. Uh, now, the really uh, troubling stuff that I'm going to share with you is these comments made after the game. Comment number one, quote, it just shows that we're learning. We ended up getting to the free throw line a lot. That was the main thing the coach told us. I think we improved on that. Hopefully, we can keep improving on it down the road. Who's a famous uh, comment quote is that? Uh, I don't know who exactly said that. How about Mr. Wendell Green? Wendell's certainly been to the line a lot already this year, so I mean, I think he knows how to get to the line. Well, the reason I'm appalled by that statement is, wait a minute, Wendell, if I, if I could talk to him. You're saying it just shows that we're learning, and this is almost the end of the regular season? That's not a good comment. Well, I, I think that you can – there's nothing that 
should stop a team from continuing to learn throughout the season. Now, that's not something that I would have thought a team would have needed to learn this late. Uh, certainly, you're still trying to improve yourself throughout, though. So it's not like you're, you're, you should refrain from, from having any improvements or learning anything late. But uh, they, this team clearly, and, and they still got outshot from the line last night just as far as number. They shot a much better percentage, and they have been shooting a much better percentage in several games recently. Uh, the, the free throw stuff has been something that they have needed to try. And, and look, not to all their fault, because we've, we've obviously had our questions about the officiating, but they've tried to have to narrow those gaps in these games. And it's been very important for them to shoot better, and they have, but they still need to figure out uh, and, and try and prevent the, the vast disparities that have ha- happened a couple of times. Well, what I'm trying to figure out here, guys, because you know, I will agree with uh, Coach Pearl from last night. If they perform like this against Kentucky and, God forbid, Alabama or even Tennessee at home, uh, we won't be close to any of those games. And I don't know what happened last night. I mean, I don't even understand uh, the, the comment made. In fact, I thought to me, this is worse than coach speak. When Coach Pearl said at the end of the game last night, he described and characterized Ole Miss as being a good team with a bad SEC record. No. Uh, I don't say, hold on, Coach. Uh, you're talking about a team that has only won two SEC games. Good teams don't do that. So the two that's an oxymoron to say that they're a good team with just a bad SEC record. You agree with me or don't want? Yeah, I mean, I think when the record is that bad, I simply just don't agree. And again, he, uh, we talked about the other day that that he is always very complimentary of, of opponents. He's never going to be one to throw very many many teams under the bus. And I, I know that he has had a lot of respect for Kermit Davis over time, but that doesn't change that Ole Miss has been bad this year. You know, if they had had, if they were five hundred in league play and they'd had a lot of close games and then that would be different but they Fair enough. but but Fair the, enough. being two and 12 or two and 13 whatever they are now is obviously a pretty much proof that that is indeed not a good basketball team ever yeah, to say i was looking at their record i think their best win and i looked all the way back to when they start when the season started back in november i think their best win is against the florida atlantic team that's kind of bounced in and out of the rankings but that yeah. was in the, the second game of the year yeah. back when we didn't know what Flo- or florida atlantic was not the same team that they are right now Guys, do you have any reasonable explanation as to why we played so damn poorly last night? I mean, turnovers galore. I think we had 12, but seven of them occurred in the second half. And uh, how come people like Katie Johnson just went crazy, you know, uh, I'd say bat, you know, blank crazy? I mean, he was responsible for two turnovers within a span of one minute. I saw him do that. You saw him, right? Yeah, no, the, there was definitely a stretch during the second half where Auburn had several turnovers. KD had a couple of them, as you said. I, I think the best explanation for it is that Auburn didn't have their edge in that game. They maybe ta- uh, they maybe thought to themselves, this is an Ole Miss team we already beat. They're not that good. They're nothing like the next three opponents. And not saying they didn't play hard, but in some hustle areas, and Brant was talking about this with rebounding in the first part of the show, in some hustle areas, Auburn was not winning those battles. Well, that to me tells me that there was not an edge to them that maybe they did take Ole Miss a little bit lighter than they should have now ultimately they turned it on and, and they got through it and won but 
they they did not come out with that mentality of we're going to we're going to make sure they have no chance in this game instead they came out with the mentality of we should be fine in this game let's just do some good stuff and and it's going to be fine and so i i think that that more than anything it showed that they they were just maybe a step slow and a, a step too uh, carefree when it comes to thinking that they would just be able to walk over Ole Miss. Well, I, I applaud uh, Coach Pearl for being really candid about the team's performance last night, and he used two words that I would have also agreed with. He said they were lackadaisical and they played sloppy. Sure. And that was in spite of him saying to us, I'm sure saying to the team, this game mattered. If they did win this game, you can kiss goodbye uh, any chance of an NCAA tournament. And yet, they played lackadaisical. How, I say I, I can't understand. I mean, I'd love to ask the players, why would you even, you know, do this? Why would you perform like this at all, knowing what was at risk? Because I mean, sometimes it's human nature, and you know, the the right message was obviously given uh, with Coach Pearl understanding the importance of it and, and trying to relay that. But again, when it goes back to it, and look. Think about us breaking down the game. And in a, in a way, you could describe maybe some of my comments yesterday as being a little bit lackadaisical and and, and saying that, that Auburn should be fine, shouldn't have a big deal, shouldn't, shouldn't have to worry about Ole Miss. Well, you hear a lot of that, and you say a lot of that, and then the players think about that, not because they're hearing me or, or any one particular person, but because they know that they're better than Ole Miss, too. They know that they went into Oxford and won that game fairly easily in the second half. So it's human nature to, to not be as hyped up about a situation like that. That's why Coach Pearl or any other coach in that situation tries to find a way to hype a player up. It's not because it wasn't true. I mean, Bruce Pearl was right. If Auburn lost Ole Miss last night, they were going to have a hell of a time trying to recover enough to, to make the tournament. But it still doesn't mean that every player is thinking about that particular aspect in that moment. They're thinking about the team they're playing and maybe not the repercussions of losing to the team that they're playing. That makes sense. And you're right. Thank God we shot 91% last night out of our minds or else we lose that game. Yep. Free throws were very, very vital there for, for Auburn making them and then also Ole Miss missing them only shooting 60% themselves. All right. Moving on. Uh, right now, uh, I'd be shocked if we win any of the remaining games, even the Tennessee at home, after the performance I saw. But hopefully maybe we'll be uh, pleasantly surprised. Uh, about another game, guys, and they were several upsets last night. A third one didn't happen. They should have happened. And uh, Virginia got upset. Right. And uh, who else? Um, uh, Tennessee got beat again. And then we go to South Carolina game. I, watch, I actually watched uh, the second half of that game. I was switching back and forth. And I thought there was no way that uh, South Carolina was not going to uh, win this game, and they found a way to lose it. They choked. But had they not had the person who I think should not have been playing last night, they would have won that game comfortably. Brandon Miller scored, what, 41 points. Yep. Without him, Alabama loses that game. Yep, the rest of the team was uh, not helpful at all. It was all Brandon Miller. And speaking of him, guys, um, uh, in fact, I didn't even know this, Maybe you guys heard it, but apparently the, the crowd was actually pleased with seeing Brandon Miller for a lot of reasons, but they uh, were shouting to lock him up. Did you know that? Yes, did hear about that. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, earlier today, before I got on the show, I caught on YouTube the, uh, what is it called, First Take with Stephen A. Smith? Yep. 
I'm very and, familiar. Uh, Firebomb and Will Bomber's on there. Have you seen that YouTube? It's about a 15-minute uh, segment. Haven't seen that one in particular. You, you might want to check it out because uh, both uh, Stephen A. Smith and Miss Wilborn uh, both said that uh, that Brandon Miller is like fantastic, you know, outstanding court, uh, basketball player. But this is not about that. This is about a person who made some really, really, really bad decisions. They said, and uh, they felt uh, as a consensus that uh, he should not really have been permitted. He should have sat. Uh, at least for, for this game, and not made some previous games. I said they don't think this is over, and they said they feel like this is uh, a really issue of integrity and character uh, about the University of Alabama, not just going ahead and sitting him until there's been a thorough investigation of what response and accountability um, he should have or not have. Right. And then Paul Farnbaum came on there and he said, "Hold on, guys. You know, uh, if they had gone ahead and sat him, then that would have looked, you know." shallow as if they were appeasing uh, to, to, the, uh, to, to the criticisms rather than they should have done to begin with. Okay, grant you that. But still, I think back on some other issues that happened well, on basketball and football at Auburn. Remember in 2011 when there was four uh, gentlemen on the football team that were involved in a break-in, a robbery, and they were all dismissed immediately? Yeah. Okay, they didn't wait uh, for any... Uh, 24, 48 hours. It was, that was done pretty quickly. And then people have harped about, you know, uh, uh, Scam Newton and the laptop. Uh, that pales to what uh, Mr. Brandon Miller was involved in. But uh, I'm not sure if this thing is over with. Apparently, the national media, uh, Colin Cowherd, he was talking about it. Uh, uh, other people, uh, Dan Patrick Show was on there. So, uh, you know, I know they're doubling down on their defense. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is, you know, I haven't heard, and I really, and I, I mean it genuinely, okay, not to bash Alabama, but I think they need to be held accountable more than, uh, more than what their team uh, ownership of. I'd like to hear from Luke. He's a rather reasonable uh, person when he uh, comes to his comments. He's an Alabama fan. I'd like to hear from Keith. Uh, Keith was on the other day, by the way. I don't know if you... About the Brown Miller incident? Yes, I think it was yesterday. Yesterday, a little bit later uh, in the show. Well, actually, it was a short show. So, yeah, yesterday towards the end of the, the shortened show, he did come on, and he did talk about it. Okay, I'll listen, listen to the podcast. I haven't listened to it yet. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, or, or even uh, Anthony. You know, uh, I suspect if it was an Auburn uh, issue, he'd be on the show. But I'd like to get their, their viewpoints. Do they think that uh, Alabama has done sufficiently to address this matter or or not okay so that's all i got uh for uh today guys and i know we've got uh, some baseball games coming up the softball team uh was outstanding last night uh i know nothing about usc guys do you know anything about how good they are or not yeah so right now uh, we talked to kevin ives on monday about usc a little bit and they're going through a rebuild stage of their program but they are historically one of the top programs in the sport. So they, they have a lot of prestige. They're just not at the top of their their game right now. The Pac-12 is probably the second or third best conference, probably third best conference in college baseball. So it's a respectable conference, and it's a, it's one of the the conf, I mean, one of the, the the college baseball's best all time programs. It's just not at its peak right now. Well, I knew we did outstanding last year in the World Series. Where we had to play with the Stanford, wasn't it? Yes, and then obviously beat Oregon State in the Supers. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I know they got some good teams. Okay. Uh, and then the uh, softball team, uh, who they're playing this weekend? 
Oh, they got everybody. I think Bowling Green. No, this weekend is, they've got Merrimack and oh, Brown okay. tomorrow, and I, then over the weekend they play North Dakota State, Brown again, or Merrimack again, and I think Brown again maybe. I've been looking down the, the ways a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you went. I think you went one more weekend. Yep. yep. <laughs> are, are these sort of like cupcake teams that softball team is starting out with? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Not not the stuff in Clearwater when they played two weekends ago to open up, but but most of these teams, yes. Okay. All right. Uh, guys, go to either the baseball or softball games? Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, my family's coming to town this weekend, so I'll be doing some stuff with them, but I, I do not think it includes any, any of these games. Okay. Speaking of baseball, real quickly, I enjoyed hearing JJ's voice uh, on the uh, softball game, so it was good to hear him again. Absolutely. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be on throughout the season. Hi, right, guys. So uh, I have no clue uh, what the line may or may not be uh, Saturday. You guys, uh, we'll take a stab at. We think Vegas is going to make us be an underdog guy. At oh. Kentucky, man, um, four points. Kentucky well, by I four. Be uh, yeah, I was thinking five. I, I was thinking, I was thinking four to five. I was thinking wrong, oh, with Brooks. Okay, uh, you got, I was going to put. Higher. I was going to say six and a half. That was going to be my okay, number. Okay, Brant was going higher. I was going to go eight. We got six, we got seven, we got eight. Eight going once, going twice, got sold. Sold eight to retire where damn Steve. <laughs> so, I mean, how are we going to stop Cuba? Yeah, it's going to be difficult. He had, I believe, like 25 points last night. He only had four rebounds. They actually had two guys have double-figure rebounds that were not him. So that's a that's a, more than just him can rebound the basketball. Toppin is really good. Livingston had a double-double. Uh, so so they it's going to be difficult to stop him and really their entire team on the glass. Yeah, and one last did you happen to see the half court at the buzzer in the first half made by Michi in the South Carolina game last night? Oh, I did not. I did not. Oh, it was incredible. I was watching. I thought it was just going to be a Hail Mary just for the heck of it, and he makes it. Wow. It seemed like they were going to be destined to win at that point, but not quite. Not quite. All right, guys, thanks for your time. My time is way up. I know that. I hope you guys have enjoyable weekend, and uh, stay safe. And we'll talk to you uh, come Monday. Until then, warrior guys, and uh, – uh, we'll make it through this basketball season no matter what. Yes, sir. War Eagle Steve, appreciate the phone call as always. That's Retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bang phone line. We need to take our next commercial break of the show, and that's because joining us in just a couple minutes, Butch Thompson, the head baseball coach of Auburn University. Stay tuned for that. And also an Auburn baseball ticket giveaway coming up in just a few minutes. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call. conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au we're done paying the bills now back to sports call on tiger 95.9 welcome back to Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Brant Daughtry, Brooks Childress with you here. And we're very pleased now to go to the Auburn Bank phone line and welcome in the head baseball coach of Auburn University, Butch Thompson. Coach Thompson, War Eagle, the season is finally here. I know we're all excited. We 
uh, saw opening weekend and just very excited to have baseball on the plains. And thank you for taking the time to join us today. Well, Eagle, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's baseball season, so we're, we've got a group of group of fans, group of players uh, that are pretty excited. And coach, this is your eighth season at Auburn. Take me back uh, as we just had opening day. Take me back to your first opening day versus your eighth opening day and just how things have changed for you and just what comes to mind when you think about starting your eighth opening day at Auburn. Well, I'm thankful, number one, right? Uh, just the uh, opportunity of a lifetime and to get to serve a program and be a steward of a program at a place like Auburn University is pretty, pretty special to not do it all the time, but reflect on a little bit here and there um, to keep you going. And I think we've grown since we started. Um, you know, I remember Sacramento State was an opening day um, eight years ago, and then uh, to see how the how we've grown, the program's grown, the interest has grown. Um, you know, with our fans, uh, with our players. Now, a couple of trips to, to Omaha. There's still some goals out there. That hosting that regional last year was another goal. Um, three sellouts in a row and having uh, sellouts in February is is pretty neat. And then seeing the, you know, our leadership uh, led by Chris Roberts, our board of trustees, uh, heading into this next building phase of Plainsman Park. Um, it's a pretty exciting time. A lot of things are coming on board. Um, we've been working for years to get this Frank Thomas statue um, to take place. And, you know, a day weekend in April. All this stuff is going to to come into full full force, and having Frank here in that weekend, having Texas A and M and a day football game and Frank Thomas statue. It's just uh, there hadn't been a better time for us. And uh, at the same time, as a coach and as players, we have a season to play. And when you start playing Indiana and Southern Cal, the all-time winningest program, basically, with 12 national championships. You start bringing people like that to Plainsman Park, even though it's unexpected. It's a, it's a big, big deal. And, Coach, we will, we will look at some big-picture things, but I did want to ask you about that USC series because, obviously, as we know, that it has moved to Plainsman Park with the, the weather going on out in California. And, the, as you mentioned, this is a very historic USC program. Uh, I, I, I get the sense that it is, also, it is very exciting to bring them now to Auburn, but also uh, is there some sort of disappointment for not getting to go make that cross-country trip and see what your team is like in a road environment way away from Plainsman Park? Well, it'll happen playing in the <laughs> in the Southeastern Conference, uh, so it'll be delayed. But yeah, I think about student athletes, right? We recruit with this stuff. We played in Arlington last year in the Texas Rangers ballpark to open up Southern Cal. These next few years will be, you know, we'll be taking a trip to Jacksonville next year, and maybe Vegas, and then back to Arlington. So we we take these trips to get a team on the road before conference play. Uh, I think our guys were excited about going to Los Angeles, but at the end of the day, I think we were all pretty convicted you know um uh, auburn southern cal that no games will be played um i know every series that i can think of on the west coast has has made a shift um so southern cal comes here i think alabama was going to uh, pepperdine that series has been canceled and both teams are finding new opponents so we're very fortunate and i give so much credit to our administration our travel people you behind the work behind the scenes on tuesday to, to shut down all of our travel plans because we were supposed to leave you know, this Thursday morning and to get Southern Cal, they're already in Auburn now. Um, 
for, for people to make that happen over the course of like six to eight hours <laughs> and get them to fly this way, uh, everybody worked really hard. But, you know, it think, seemed like the right thing to do when there were there was very low possibility of playing any games. Um, and if you looked at our forecast, I'm thinking it's like 77 and low of 60 for three days. It's going to be kind of the Chamber of Commerce type weather. So, at the end of the day, it seemed like a no-brainer, and Southern Cal wants to play. We want to play, and our people did an amazing job of creating a path for that to happen. I'm I'm so impressed. Coach, talk a little bit more about the expansions coming into Plainsman Park. You, you've got uh, all these new seats coming in. What does that do for a program? What does that do as a recruiting tool, and how does that signal to you going forward? Yeah, it shows the support, and I think it's coming at the right time because this alignment of all the – the interest from our fans, everything is happening at one time. So um, I, I like that it's aligned properly and coming online at the right time, uh, meaning we're getting all this growth. We are showing a need uh, that we want to expand, that we should expand. So I love the timing of that. Recruiting is a drive-by. So when a 15-year-old that we can't sit down and meet with in the office, when they take a ride on, on Sanford and get on Donahue, there's going to be a drive-by, a wow factor. Uh, that's huge uh, for them to get their first uh, taste of Auburn. Uh, you know, we haven't set idle for these first seven years. Uh, you know, we put in the batting cages. Uh, I, I think of the weight room that's on site now. Uh, that's amazing uh, for our players to get to work in uh, every day. Our surface is second to none in our league. Uh, so we did put in a surface. The scoreboard is very interactive, I believe. Uh, the outfield padded wall, all the seats. Of LED lights, so we've been doing enhancements from the inside out, and this big project uh, signatures maybe getting back in line with our peers of what we're offering our fans. And so you've had the chair back option, and you go to Atlanta to a Braves game, and you got like 19 different seating options depending on your appetite, desire, and what you're willing to spend. We're going to create different opportunities here of, of a club level space. Um, above the batting cages, above the monster. We just always thought Plainsman Park was supposed to have some type of seating or a viewing ability above that, that green wall. Uh, it's going to make it unique, one of a kind, and uh, only enhance what we're doing. But um, uh, the revenue piece uh, is it, going to help us be more than just season tickets. And we're going to offer our fans, just like we do in a lot of our other sports, some opportunities to – to get a different intake, uh, get with your crew, uh, provide something at a at a higher level of connection, and um, and then finally, you know, we started last year with putting a hole in the right center field wall. That engagement with our students has worked organically. It's going to another level now. We have food trucks and uh, some different things for our students out there, um, and so we did a head start on that last year. It worked marvelous. Um, so we want we have great hospitality here at Auburn. Um, uh, this is a great venue to play in. Our real estate proposition on this campus is extraordinary where Plainsman Park's located. Uh, but this last piece that I would mention is, man, we got to make it hard. we got to make it an environment, an SEC environment, like when you go to these other places. I think those seats on the monster, the, the growth of the students has been electric. Um, and, and some of these spaces are going to probably trap sound, but get our, our, our people on top of uh, our opponents and create a, a better experience, if you will, because you'll have the, the roof going all the way down to the end, 
um, I, I think it's going to trap some sound and get people because our park's already close. There's not a lot of foul territory. Everybody's already on top of everything, but getting some more people in the ballpark is going to create that environment we were after as well. Coach, you talked about getting tested here when we get to SEC play in a few weeks. And one of the big things about getting tested is you got to have your pitching staff strong. And you know a lot about the, the pit, getting the pitching staff into a good position. What does it mean to get through your first four games of the season 16 different pitchers game action on the mound? Yeah, uh, and that'll be cut in half, right? So it, we, it usually takes about seven or eight pitchers once you fix, fix, find the rhythm. Once everybody gets up to pitch count, uh, that'll start trimming. So we're, we're evaluating constantly. You know, four games – if we were 4-0, it's not going to tell you that it's a great team. If we're 0-4, <laughs> that's not going to define everything. So we do have to play. I know a, a fan and a coach, even I wear it every day because you expect to win or trying to find a way to win every time you get on the field. We're going to have to play for a while to get to our best team. I, I think about the Tuesday game we just had in Huntsville where we played you know, four different starters, got their first start positionally because we – we definitely got more pitchers on the mound, but we didn't see as much positionally. We did that Tuesday, and you know we only played seven innings, but we didn't make an error. Uh, we only struck out three times. We didn't walk a batter, and I don't I don't care who you're playing. Um, I want every game to feel like the World Series, or every game to feel like an SEC game. There's no Tuesday game or or any other day of the week. There's only one game we're trying to play, and we're really trying to get in the process of playing the game. So we got to take these 16 pitchers who can shove it in the strike zone the most and who can survive the most and probably getting that number down to about eight pitchers once we get in pitch count. And we got a lot of work to do these next few weeks to figure out what's our best lineup. Um, I'm trying to make it a positive. Uh, enough guys held up and getting a look of four new guys on Tuesday that you know, we got a lot of guys to sift through to kind of see who is going to, to hold up. So I don't make – I don't see it as a negative when you put four guys in a lineup and they look good as well. Uh, that's pretty nice to know that you have a little more depth maybe than what we've had the past couple of years. It's just finding that front-line group of, of nine, maybe not the best nine, but the nine best that's going to create the most offense and consistency. And then, Coach, uh, want to target one specific pitcher. I know preseason you talked about easing Joseph Gonzalez back into that starting role. You got the Saturday start this past weekend against Indiana, went five innings, looked good. What were your thoughts about his first start of the season? Just just crazy efficient. You know, he had 12 ground ball outs on the infield. I think we called 11 of them and recorded an out. Um he really got his defense engaged. He didn't overpitch. We probably didn't see some sliders and trying to go for – swing and miss and put away when he got up in the count. I think he just had a sinker ball working. Uh, when I went back and watched it that night, I didn't. I respected it more. The, the level of precision, uh, the level of command was even higher than I thought I witnessed during the ball game. So uh, he, got a, he got his sinker set, and that's what sinker ball guys do. And you hopefully they can set it for long periods of time. You know, there's nothing the worst pitch in baseball is a sinker that's not set. Uh, but he had his stuff set. It was healthy. It was 42 pitches in five innings, which is incredible for an amateur pitcher, especially at our level. Um, he's just, you know, everything's great. He's just behind the workload. That was his second time seeing hitters. So um, I just I want him to continue to be that efficient. He only threw eight balls in the contest, uh, just filled up the strike zone, got our defense engaged. Uh, really, he laid some tracks and laid an example for all of our new guys and really everybody to, to chase. Is, is what he did last Saturday. Talking to head coach Butch Thompson here on this 
edition of Sports Call. Coach, when we look at that lineup this weekend, as, as or this past weekend, excuse me, while Auburn got going, uh, you had as many as six seniors in the lineup uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, a lot of veterans for this Auburn team. Talk about some of your veterans. I know a couple of them, like Bryson Ware, off the off the hot starts. But just the veteran leadership that you have, and, and a lineup that, while it lost a couple of key players last year, there's still a lot of talent and a lot of experience. Yeah, I, I agree. We we, we lost uh, a couple of special players, especially positionally and defensively, and at the plate. You know, you start going Sunny Desher and co SEC Player of the Year. Uh, Blake Rambush was a catalyst in that leadoff. You've seen us try to put maybe our, arguably our best guy in that spot, and Bobby Pierce has done that for these first four games. I, I, I think I do believe in our leadership of this group. So we're not just going to replace Sonny and Blake. It's going to have to be as a unit to to do that. Those were really good players. But I love our three captains this year that were voted on by our players: uh, Bobby Pierce, Casey Howell in center field, Nate Larue behind the plate. Those three guys, uh, you know. I go to them for, to give me the pulse of the team, the advice. Uh, how do you feel about this? They're they're part of, uh, you know, they're a close knit part of the group, and they're good baseball players too. I think, uh, especially look defensively, I, I, I believe Larue and Howell. I, I wouldn't trade anybody else defensively in our league. I, I would take those two guys at those two positions. So that's how much I think about them, what they do defensively for us. Uh, Bobby Pierce can really help us on both sides of the ball. I, I think he can. I just want him to have a monster year. I think he's worked hard for it. I had, he has the confidence for it. And I think he has the skill to be able to produce. And uh, But we have great leadership there. Cole Foster's been in our program. He's the third shortstop in a row to play a year a second, then move over to short just like Brody Moore did and Ryan Bliss before him. Uh, Bryson Ware is just so athletic. A player like him, if he can continue um, – to do what he's done these first four games and multiply that and be a huge part of what we're doing. There's not a more athletic player in our program. He had a 453-foot home run the other night after trying to get a bunt down on the 0-0 count and getting on by a bunt, I think, the bat before um, and just continuing to get more comfortable back at third base after coming from the outfield. I think that's huge. And we have a veteran in right field, even though he's new so far, uh, and Justin Kirby, who was a, a Kent State grad transfer um, hit two home runs opening weekend against Indiana. Um, looks like we're still spending a little time trying to figure out first and second base, but you know, for the most part, we hope these pieces hold up that I just mentioned. And uh, it, it is nice to have some older players that know what they're doing and can can bring some guys along. And we'll probably need a few more weeks on the musical chairs of maybe first, second, and then you know the DH position is being held down by Ike Irish as a freshman. And through first four games, he looks the part. He was the co-freshman player of the week i think in the southeastern conference and he's just look he can evaluate pitches and just swing in the back great to start off the season that's our that's our young dynamic player that's in the lineup uh, uh these first four games he's head coach butch thompson of the auburn baseball program here today on sports call coach we appreciate the time greatly we wish you the best of luck uh throughout the season and uh, we again appreciate the time today war eagle war eagle that is Coach Butch Thompson joining us today on Sports Call. And we appreciate Head Coach Butch Thompson for joining us today on Sports Call. Again, the head coach of Auburn University, so kind of take some time out of his busy schedule. I imagine that conversation 
uh, was aided by the fact that they did not have to take a trip out to Southern California uh, for that series. So that uh, if that is the case, we're very thankful that this series, again, is at Plansman Park for that reason and more. Uh, but, guys, of what Co- Coach Thompson was talking about there, what, if anything, stood out to you? And then just some thoughts on – the first four games here of the season so far. I mean, I, I like the question that you asked him about missing that opportunity to go be in a, a tough road environment on the West Coast. Uh, but he, you know, he described it as it, it's a missed opportunity. But they're going to get tested right off the bat when it comes to uh, the SEC play, or when it comes when it comes to road tests uh, in the in the Southeastern Conference. I think what their first road uh, road game, a road series of the year. Uh, in the SEC play is, uh, I think, Arkansas right after in about the middle of March. Yeah, ar- at Arkansas for three games. So you're going to get tested uh, here quick. Uh, you know, you've got a – you're looking at the Sovereign baseball schedule. You don't get to go to USC. would have been a fun trip out there, get tested in front of the, that West Coast crowd. But you still got a, a game at Jacksonville State, which has been a tough place to play coming up before you hit conference play. And then, like I said, you, you hit conference play with a, a bang when you go to Arkansas here in middle of March. So I, I like, you know, I, I, I'm i in agreement. It's a missed opportunity, but, it, you know, every week, every road series in the SEC is a is a test. Yeah, obviously these these teams, we've, we've talked about it, uh, so many ranked teams in the SEC. Auburn is technically ranked in various polls, just maybe not the particular one that that one or another might use. There's three or four relevant polls, unlike some of the other sports uh, for baseball. I mean, everyone from we, – we know some of the teams at the top. We know Tennessee kind of had a rough start to the year over the weekend, lost to Grand Canyon, and one other team started one and two, but only moved down a couple of spots. I mean, there's Tennessee, there's Vanderbilt, there's Arkansas, as you mentioned. LSU supposed to be awesome this year. Some of these schools that are supposed to be a little lesser this year – like a Mississippi State or something, maybe even a South Carolina, have all either been to the College World Series or even won a national championship in the last six, seven, eight years. That's the product of how good the SEC is. A team like Texas A&M, who's supposed to be a top 25 team this year, was one of the worst teams in the league, one of the only truly beatable teams in the league over the last three or four years, and now even they are ranked. And so this schedule is going to be very difficult indeed. They will get tested both in Plainsman Park and on the road we're out of time for hour number two but as we go to break if you're fired up for some auburn baseball we've got four tickets to the florida a&m game next wednesday at six o'clock inside of plansman park if you call us right now 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine you can get four tickets to auburn versus florida a&m inside of plansman park next wednesday at six o'clock again 334-887-3401 Three four zero one. Out of time for hour number two. Back to wrap up the show for the week on this third and final hour as we'll start to talk Auburn and Kentucky and also give you a look at some of the college basketball games this weekend and a lot more in the sports world. Back for hour number three in just a moment. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. 
Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of Sports Call starting right now. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress with you here. Brooks will be with us for just another segment or so, and then he's got to go help out with Auburn women's basketball as they are in Athens tonight, 545 airtime over on FM Talk 93.9. So final segment with him, final hour with all of us for the week. Again, Auburn softball with a doubleheader coming up tomorrow during our normal time slot. I think Friday, March 3rd might be the last time we don't have a Friday show in this kind of string of doubleheaders, but uh, stay tuned and we'll make sure we give you up to date on the schedule. All right, so up next on the schedule for Auburn basketball is a trip to Lexington, Kentucky to go to Rupp Arena, face the Kentucky Wildcats. We've been talking about this stretch of basketball for a while now. The final three games of the year of the regular season are here at Kentucky, at Alabama, and host to Tennessee. No new bracketology from Lenardi in the last couple of days. Auburn was hovering around the nine line before they beat Ole Miss. No reason to think they would have dropped or gotten higher from that. They actually dropped the net rankings by three. They were 30th, now they are 33rd. So probably still around that nine line. And if they lose three in a row here, then it's going to get a little bit dicey as we'll we'll have to see if the bubble shrinks at all, what these margins are. Remember, margins matter. If Auburn had beaten Ole Miss by 24 instead of four last night, I doubt they would have dropped three spots. But the net is kind of taking into account uh, how you beat these teams or, or how badly you lose to these teams. So along those same lines, Auburn may not come out with a win in Lexington on Saturday, excuse me, but it is very important to still hang around and have a chance towards the end of the game as opposed to getting whipped by 30 or or whipped by 25. Auburn has had vast difficulties in Lexington and against Kentucky. Of course, that's to be expected when Kentucky uh, has been the program that it has. It's been the SEC's premier program for a long time. It's been, you know, it's probably been one of the five best programs in the history of college basketball. But... Here are the numbers for Auburn's all-time record at Kentucky. Auburn has played at Kentucky 49 times. They have lost 47 times. They are 2-47 and 47 Not great. at Kentucky. Auburn's last win in Lexington is 1988. They have not won in 35 years. Uh, Auburn has, as Bruce Pearl noted to the press today, won for the last six meetings between the uh, the Tigers and the Wildcats because a lot of them have been at Neville Arena. But, again, Auburn has not won there in 35 years. That is a very difficult hill to climb. So, if they are to climb that hill, what will, what are all the things Auburn's going to have to do well to be able to beat Kentucky? I think, first of all, I mean, obviously, you're going to have to be able to score, right? I, I think that's the... The biggest issue. Wendell Green is going to have to have a good game. Alan Flanagan, Jalen Williams are going to have to play well. But I think the key matchup is going to come down low. Janai Broom and Oscar Shibway are two really good centers. Um, Oscar Shibway is a weird case because we, we've talked over and over why is he still at Kentucky, even though he puts up all these insane numbers. Well, he's a really good athlete, but he also is six foot eight and plays center. You know, and, and you're not going to go to the NBA and be able to play center at six eight. But 
he's tenacious enough and strong enough and gets away with enough, quite frankly, uh, to be a really good college center. And so him and Janai Broom going at each other down low, I think is going to be the key matchup in this one because he is probably Tennessee's best player, or excuse me, Kentucky's best player. So you're going to have to match up really well with him. And if Janai can win that matchup, and he has won matchups against really good centers so far this year, uh, more often than not, I think. I go back to the way he kind of brutalized Colin Castleton in, uh, against Florida um, and played really well. Even even though Auburn lost, he still had a really good game against Vanderbilt and uh, Liam Robbins. I, still, I think with that, if he can put in a performance like that, it raises Auburn's chances a lot. When you look at the, you know, you look on paper and these two teams are, are very similar and yet not similar in the same sentence. Auburn and Kentucky both coming in at 19 to 9 overall record on the year. Uh, Kentucky's got one more conference win than Auburn does. Auburn is 9 and 6 in conference play. Kentucky's 10 and 5 in conference play. You look at their points, Kentucky's scoring about 74 per game. Auburn's scoring about 72 per game. Kentucky's giving up about 67 per game. Auburn's giving up about 65 per game. Uh, they're, they're shooting about almost the same field goal percentage, 45% uh, for the Wildcats, 44% for the Tigers. They're very, very similar, but you look at you know how they, they've progressed through the, throughout the season, and they're, they're a little bit different. Auburn came out, and they, they looked good early, and then here as you've gotten to the mid, midpoint of conference play and into the latter parts, they've kind of started to dip, and you, you've seen them start to struggle a little bit. Uh, Kentucky, they started off about as worse as you could start as a Kentucky team, uh, and especially if you ask their fan base. Um, they were about ready to run uh, Calipari out of town after the first couple weeks of the season. I, they still may be ready to run him out of town, but at, at least the, his, the job security talk has cooled off a little bit in, in Lexington. And, you know, Kentucky's coming in. You look at the last five. Auburn is, is two two and three in the last five. Kentucky's three and two in the last five. But Kentucky's on a three-game win streak. They've beaten Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Florida in their last three games. Auburn, of course, beat Missouri, lost to Vandy, beat Ole Miss coming to this one. I, I think it, it comes down to when you, you look at this team, I think the matchup between Janai Broom and Oscar Shibway is going to be a really, really big factor in, in the outcome of this basketball game. And I, I, I agree with Bruce, what Bruce Pearl said last night in the postgame presser and on radio. It's going to come down to rebounding. And if Auburn can grab uh, more rebounds than Kentucky, I think Auburn's got a really good shot to pull off an, pull off an upset win here at uh, Rupp Arena. And we saw a team earlier this year go into Rupp that hasn't beaten Kentucky uh, in, in Rupp Arena since like the 1980s. That was the Georgia Bulldogs. And they pulled off that upset. I, there's there's not a lot that says Auburn can't do it, but it, it there's a lot that says will Auburn be able to do it. So we're talking a lot about rebounding, and that's because Kentucky does rebound the ball well. Chibwe has been known for that, averaging over 12, 13 rebounds a game. The last game against Florida when they matched up, uh, with the Gators, remember, there was no Colin Castleton in that game. He's been out the last couple of games. Kentucky, needless to say, dominated on the glass. They out-rebounded Florida 40-21, to almost doubled them up. And Chibwe was not a part of that. He only had four rebounds. It was Jacob Toppin, who's a really quality player, uh, 19 points, 11 rebounds. And Chris Livingston, who has not really made a big impact on Kentucky's season, who had 10 points, 15 rebounds. Livingston is their seventh leading scorer on the year, plays about 20 minutes a game, 
And up until that game, he'd only been their fourth leading rebounder. He had really not had a big impact. So he's coming off his one of his best games of the season. But the other thing this Kentucky team does rebound aside from or the other team that this thing excuse me, let me try that again. <laughs> the other thing that Kentucky does well, other than rebounding, is shooting from the perimeter. This is one of the only good three point teams in the SEC. There are not many of them. Alabama's one and Kentucky. Kentucky shoots over 36% from three. That is vastly different than the high 20s and low 30s that Auburn uh, has been a part of and most of Auburn's opponents, quite frankly, have been a part of. So this team shoots the three very well. They don't really have one particular guy that just absolutely is on top of things. Uh, Reeves, Antonio Reeves shoots 41%, but they've got a bunch of mid-30s guys. Toppin's at 32, Wallace at 35, Severe Wheeler has improved his jump shot. He's at 36.5. Frederick is at 33.5. Livingston, as I talked about, having a big game, he's 35.5. So they're all in that low to mid-30s range, and then you got Reeves that kind of uh, transcends that into the low 40s. But a lot of guys, five or six guys that will shoot them and five or six guys that are all capable of making them. Again, for reference for what Auburn does from three, as you just continue to, to look at the pure numbers, is that as a team, the Tigers are only 30.1. So they're a good 6% lower than Kentucky. Uh, Wendell Green Jr., for instance, is at 28% on the season. Jalen Williams has been the best volume three-point guy. He's at 36.8, but Flanagan down at 32.6. Katie Johnson at 28.9. Zepp Jasper at 30.6. In small sample sizes, Leor Berman and Chris Moore are slightly above 40%, but the main guys that take them, like Wendell Green and Alan Flanagan and uh, Katie Johnson, are low 30s or high 20s. So Kentucky is a better shooting team, and they are a little bit better rebounding team. So look you can boil it down to those sort of things i think auburn will come out with a, a much better edge I, again i think that part of the the problem with old miss is that they uh, even though you don't like to, to ever think this is true i, I really just think they took old miss lightly uh, or especially early on maybe even a little bit in the second half once they got up 12 they figured okay everything's gonna click at this point old miss might cave on us we might just be able to run and hide like the missouri or georgia game uh, in Auburn, and, and Ole Miss, to their credit, continued to battle. They continued to get to the rim. They continued to uh, create second-chance opportunities, and Auburn did not really respond to that well initially. And so I, I think that that part of it will not be as big of an issue. Now, even as a motivated bunch, they will still have to be in the right place and execute the, the defensive rebounding part of it very well. But I think part of those... Uh, the part of the explanation for those struggles against Ole Miss was just kind of a, a lackadaisical approach, as Bruce Pearl put it. So that part of it makes me feel better that they can hold up there because, uh, as Brant alluded, as Brant pointed out a couple minutes ago, Auburn has done a pretty good job against some of these big guys. The, most of the guys that have gotten Auburn these 25- and 30-point performances have been perimeter guys or, or wing guys. They've not been the big guys. Castleton... Uh, was pretty much shut down. Now, look, Robbins had 20 points for Vandy. He also had 25,000 free throws. So, you know, you can give some credit to Robbins for drawing those fouls, but we also know the officiating situation that game. And and from the floor, he only made three made baskets. So I think the 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 on-the-floor defense was was very good. So 
this to me will come down to can Auburn make some shots in a tough road environment when they have to make them? Because I think they can guard Kentucky again once the motivation factors back in there, which it will be. I think they can keep Kentucky down even into the 60s. We saw, and I granted, Kentucky's still a little better offensively than Tennessee, but we saw a 40-something to 40-something game in Knoxville. Auburn's defense can travel, and usually defense can. But can they make shots when it when it matters? We saw they do that to a degree against Vandy. They hit a couple of them, the Katie Johnson three in particular, something we've not really seen Auburn be able to do much this year. Then they didn't get the final stop. So another opportunity, if you are in a close game, I, I take it that Auburn's still going to have to make a couple tough road buckets late. Obviously, they'll have to have the stops to come with it. But I know, I, look, some people are of the opinion the late game defense is worse than the late game offense. I'm a little bit more in the other category with the late game offense. But nevertheless, this is starting the stretch here where Auburn's playing good competition, that they will not be able to run out of the gym, that they'll have to win a close game. And those late-game buckets, the late-game stops, that's all part of the equation trying to figure this thing out. Yeah, and I'm going to add one more thing to this. And I I hate, again, we talk about it all the time, and we hate that we have to talk about it, but officiating is probably going to play a factor in this game because we talk about usually teams getting favorable whistles at home. If anybody does, it's Kentucky. They they get calls all the time because they're a blue-blood program. They're expected to win, so the officials will usually lean in in, in their favor. Now, I, I don't want to say that's like an excuse or anything. I, I don't want to, you know, place that expectation on anybody. But I just – it's going to be a factor, and you're going to have to play up to that at some point. Um, but, yeah, I, you're going to have to find ways to score late, and you're going to have to make your free throws when you get them. And it's, it's going to be a battle because it's Kentucky, and Kentucky's always really freaking good. Uh, even though their record is not reflective of it, they're still a super talented team, and they've played well in their past three games. Brooks, you won't be with us for the the technical or the official what to watch for part uh, of the show. So this weekend, a lot of action. Are you looking forward to anything in particular? Um, this weekend, gosh, what am I interested in watching? Auburn baseball, obviously, against USC is going to be a big series to watch. Even, like you said earlier in the in the program, USC has been on kind of a downturn here recently. They're still, I think, what, a 12-time national champion come in program history coming into uh, Plainsman Park. So it, it's been really cool that in the last, what, eight months, nine months, you've had UCLA and now USC both playing inside of Plainsman Park in different capacities. So should be a, a really fun series. Um, can't wait to see what Auburn softball does this weekend. Hopefully, they can continue their run of uh, run of big uh, big wins. And then I'll tell you what I'm I'm really interested in this weekend is uh, really interested in week two of the XFL because there was a little bit of pageantry last weekend. Like, oh, the XFL's back. I want to see if they can keep that momentum going for this weekend. And then NASCAR is back this weekend. They're out and they they go from Daytona all the way out west to to Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California. So it's a, it's a little little bit different style of racing at Fon- uh, in Fontana than it was at Daytona. So uh, excited to see uh, let's watch some of that this weekend, too. Well, I would say you hit on a lot of it right there. Yeah. Uh, but, Brooks, thank you for being on the show again today. Uh, have great success and have fun uh, working Auburn women's basketball. Yeah. And we will uh, talk to you again next week. If Auburn women's basketball wins tonight, I take all the credit. If not, I take none of the blame. Uh, fair enough. I see no fault with that whatsoever. Uh, that was Brooks Childress. You can hear him again on the show next week. We're going to take our first time out of our number three. 
Myself and Brant will continue right after this. Another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call here at Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Brant Daughtry with me here for the final half hour or so of the show for the day and for the week. Again, Auburn softball with a doubleheader starting around 2.45 tomorrow, which conveniently means uh, that the, the entirety of our three-hour window will be taken up by Auburn softball again. So last half hour or so of the show for this week, and let's talk a little SEC basketball and just a, a lot of things – uh, going on this weekend outside of basketball as well. So we'll start with with college basketball and with the SEC. But overall, uh, let's start to preview everything for the weekend. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. What to watch for over the weekend, starting with the aforementioned SEC college basketball slate. Of course, you know about Auburn and Kentucky. That's a 3 o'clock tip time on CBS. If you're looking for the television, if you're looking for the radio, you can go to our sister station, FM Talk. 93.9 for a 2.30 airtime with Auburn Sports Network. 3 o'clock tip-off. The rest of the SEC slate, 20-8 and eight Missouri goes to 16-12 and 12 Georgia. Number two, Alabama after the close call against South Carolina. Uh, will play Arkansas in Tuscaloosa at 1 o'clock. Number 25, Texas A&M goes to Mississippi State. State on the bubble. South Carolina goes to number 11, Tennessee. I know South Carolina is at the bottom of the SEC, but that's a brutal week to have to play Bama and Tennessee. Uh, Florida goes to Vanderbilt. That's a 5 o'clock tip-off. Vanderbilt lost their five-game winning streak last night to LSU of all teams. And then LSU goes to Ole Miss at 7.30 in the pillow fight of the (laughs) week in the SEC. But a couple games of interest here, Brant. uh, Look, I I know that some of these teams – are now starting to solidify their spots in the NCAA tournament. I feel like Missouri at this point is safe. Kentucky is getting safer. There may be one more win, kind of like Auburn. I think there may be one win away from solidifying their spot after after they were able to beat Tennessee uh, this past week and win again in the midweek. Uh, you've got a team like Mississippi State right on the bubble. Uh, Florida by now is way off the bubble. Vandy is not going to make the bubble. Uh, so you're starting to get some clarity here. Really only one or two SEC teams are the ones that I just mentioned in any, any sort of trouble. But uh, what's interest you this weekend? You know, I, I know we just said, man, what a brutal day for South Carolina having to play Bama and Tennessee. But I'm interested to see if they can give Tennessee a run like they gave Bama. I, I, I'll be up, up front about this. I did not watch that game. I, I'm, you know, I, 
there's something about watching Alabama basketball that I've never really enjoyed, and you know, especially now that they're good and with all the Brandon Miller stuff going on, that I I don't feel the need to to rehash anything about that. We've heard all the different opinions, and you know, I I, I have my own that other people have have said, so I'm not gonna hover too much on that topic. But you know, I, I'm interested to see if South Carolina can give Tennessee. A bit of a scare, the same way they did Alabama. I understand they have to play in Knoxville, which is not the same as playing at home, but, you know, they showed they could do it, you know, and I don't know. Uh, obviously, the bubble teams are always interesting. Mississippi State, you say Vandy's definitely off. I, I, I don't know. Winning those, winning five in a row, even though they did just lose to LSU, so I don't know. I There's a lot going towards the end here. Also, the battle between Texas A&M and Alabama. Alabama try, doing their best to stave off uh, Texas A&M, who's still very much alive in this thing, uh, if they can continue. So that those are those are the teams that really interest me. And obviously Auburn going to Kentucky is going to be a battle. Right. Uh, obviously that one interests us uh, yeah. very much. But I think the problem for Vandy is that they were so down the totem pole and they had really not even yeah. gotten all the way on the bubble yet. And then they lose to LSU. It only had one conference win coming into play. I mean, that you can't pick up a much worse loss than that yeah. in the SEC, unfortunately, for them. Uh, I, I think that if you're – look, I, I have trouble – Steve's brought this up a couple of times. I, I really don't think that there's really anything you should be rooting for in the SEC as far as Auburn's resume because everything kind of ties into each other. Yeah. One one team becomes a better win, one team becomes uh, a less impressive win, and then vice versa on the loss element to it. Uh, because you, you look at someone like Mississippi State, okay, you could maybe root against Mississippi State uh, and, and want them to – not end up making the NCAA tournament, that would be fair. But then that's one less tournament caliber team that, that Auburn's beaten. You know, you can you can do that song and dance. I think if you're an Auburn fan out there that's nervous about the bubble, and now again, I wanted to tell you, one more win, you shouldn't have to be nervous about the bubble. But if you're nervous about the bubble, you want to root against the bubble, the non-bubble SEC teams. You want to root against North Carolina. You want to root against some of those Mountain West schools. I think it's like, uh, it may, if it's not New Mexico, it's, it's I think it is New Mexico. Someone like New Mexico is on the bubble. You want to root against those teams. And then you really want to, once you get inside of these conference tournaments, you want to make very sure that the there is not a bid stealer out of conference USA. I'm basically about to tell you, Brant, root against the teams that I root for. Don't root for <laughs> UAB to beat Florida Atlantic in the conference USA tournament. Don't root for North Texas to beat yeah. uh, Florida Atlantic. Root for Florida Atlantic. If the, you're the, fav- fan. the favorites need to win right. their conference championships so the bubble is as big as possible. Exactly. In the Mountain West, to, to kind of be more particular about it, San Diego State is ranked. They're going to the NCAA tournament. Boise State is 22-6. and six. They're going to the NCAA tournament. Nevada and Utah State and New Mexico are all between 20 and 21 wins. Those are some bubble teams there. That would you probably want to make sure Boise or San Diego State win the tournament. What you don't want is, like, for some odd reason, San Jose State, who's 7 and 8 in, in conference play, to win that league, or Colorado State, who's awful this year, but typically one of those teams that can hover around the NCAA tournament. You don't want. One of those teams to win it in the AC or excuse me in the AAC, uh, which contains obviously Houston, who's going to be a one seed, and then Memphis, who should be in the tournament. 
You don't want Cincinnati, who's 19-10 and 10 overall. There'd be other years Cincinnati might be hovering on the bubble, and I, maybe they are, and I just haven't seen it. You don't want Cincinnati to go win the tournament. You don't want 9-7 and seven in the league, but 15-14 and 14 overall Temple to go win the AAC. So those are the type of teams you want to be rooting against if you are Auburn. You want to root for Houston. You want to root for Boise State or for San Diego State. You want to root for Florida Atlantic. And I could probably go on and on with the A-10 and some of these other leagues that sometimes get two and three bids. But that's the real stuff that you know Auburn hasn't played any of those teams, so it doesn't affect their resumes. Uh, and also could affect them adversely if one of the the smaller teams, the bubble teams, ends up winning those leagues. Let's do some more what to watch for over the weekend. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. Auburn baseball, three-game series inside of Plainsman Park against USC. Uh, the Tigers getting an opportunity to play one of the most, what we talked about it, most historic programs in the Pac-12. If you're just joining the show uh, Brant, we had Butch Thompson on to kind of talk a little bit about that series, but just the season at large. And uh, it was really great to have Butch Thompson on the show today. Yeah, always great when you can get a head coach of uh, one of the, the one of the teams that you cover uh, on your program. And Butch talked about that series, and he said, yeah, it would have been great to be able to go out to California and not not just vacation, but play in a tough environment and to see one of the like you t- like you pointed out one of the winningest programs in all of college baseball 12-time national champion for USC in the sport but that he's he also pointed out hey that's going to happen you're going to go to big time pl- big time programs uh you're going to play on the road against big time teams but bringing in USC a major program into Plainsman Park is a big deal because you get those guys inside these walls you get a lot of eyes on you USC has a massive baseball fan base so you're going to get a lot of eyes on you for this tournament and that's just more exposure for the program absolutely so three more games for Auburn coming up this weekend again off to a three and one start we appreciate Butch Thompson for joining the program today and if you did miss that, you can go check it out on the Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola tastes the feeling. Also, Auburn softball coming up this weekend. And with that opportunity, we need to tell you about this week's Player of the Week. Auburn softball's Lindsey Garcia is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The senior infielder was dominant in the Tiger Invitational, grabbing six hits and 13 at-bats, hitting two homers, including a grand slam, and driving in eight runs. Garcia's performance led the Tigers to a 5-0 record on the weekend, pushing their overall record to 9-1. With the MVP caliber performance, Garcia raised her average on the year to 464 and set herself up for a big senior year. Lindsey Garcia is Sports Call's Player of the Week. You heard Brant right there, the player of the week for this week. We've been doing it later and later by the week. But uh, <laughs> with just a few minutes to spare in the show this week, uh, Lindsey Garcia winning player of the week for what she did in Auburn's victories last week. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, what, eight hits and mm-hmm. a couple home runs and a lot of RBIs. And uh, Lindsey Garcia, one of the veterans on Coach Mickey Dean's team, this team is going to be capable of hitting a lot this year. That has been – the criticism of Auburn softball since Coach Dean got here is they can pitch. They've been able to pitch since he arrived. But can they hit enough? And I think last year you started to see that. You saw some younger players. I mean, Auburn did not have uh, but one or two seniors on the entire roster last year. And so now you bring all those girls back. 
I know they do have one loss, but that also was just kind of who they pitched and how they tried to rotate some players in Clearwater. Uh, but this team seems like it's got a lot of pop. Briellis kind of had a tough first couple games. She got on track this past yeah. weekend. I think she homered last night too. She did. She's hit. Uh, she's hit two in the last like four or five days. She's a uh, yeah. And she started out a little bit slow. I think her start average started out below three hundred, which is pretty low for softball. Um, but yeah, she she she's picked it up a lot. Um, I'll be the board op for this weekend. I was the board op last weekend as well, and uh, looking forward to spending some time. I was with Jacob Hillman last week. I'll have Britt this upcoming weekend, and uh, looking forward to that for sure. But yeah, Bree uh, started out a little slow, but seems to her bat seems to have woken up a little bit. And she talked about that in one of the post game interviews that she was putting a lot of pressure on herself, and she just said, "Hey, I'm not going to go out there try to hit a home run every time. We're just going to get good good bat on ball and see where it goes." So looking forward to more Auburn softball this weekend and throughout the year again. Once they have that tournament in OKC, uh, I think about mid-March when they had Northwestern and then Oklahoma for two, uh, we're going to start to learn a lot about that team at that point. For sure. And you pointed out how the they're hitting a lot of homers this year. Saw a graphic earlier today. They currently lead the SEC in home runs. There you go. And again, that that is something that they have worked on. They've understood that they've not hit as well as they've needed to in past seasons. But last year they started to turn a corner, and if they can turn all the way around that corner this year, I think with Matty Penta in the circle uh, and and some of the, the new players that they've got there, Shelby Lowe returning from injury, they're going to be in a really good position. All right, uh, next up on What to Watch for Over the Weekend. Sports Calls, What to Watch for Over the Weekend. Brooks mentioned this, and I want to spend just a second on it because I wasn't going to talk about the actual – uh, games themselves, but with the XFL this weekend, he brought up something that I wanted to talk a little bit about, and that is the interest level in the sport. Uh, I'm interested to see if it's interesting. I'm interested yeah. to see if people are interested because we now have, we again, <laughs> something becomes popular and everyone flocks to it, and there's trends and fashion and food and, and all that. It's true in the sports world. One team went to Las Vegas professionally about six, seven years ago. Now all the bleaks got to get a team in Las Vegas. Hockey went there first. You got, or you got women's basketball. Uh, you have NFL now. There is talk that the Oakland A's could end up moving there in baseball. There's talk that when, if the NBA expands to 32 in the coming years, Las Vegas will get one of the two new teams. I mean, everyone's flocking Las Vegas. Well, in the same way, Everyone has kind of dabbled in the secondary football market. Uh, the Arena League lasted a fairly long time. There's always been the CFL for Canada. There's been versions of the XFL and some of these other leagues before the USFL. But now at one time, here in the last couple of years, you've now got the arrival of another version of the XFL funded by The Rock and you've got the USFL, which started again last year, had all their games in Birmingham, now will branch out to all of its cities this year. And my interest level is just, will they survive? How long can they survive? Can they coexist in a secondary market capacity? I don't know. I'm going to be fascinated to see the crowds all season long and, and see what the ratings are like. I, I wonder, too. I think they have a pretty good chance because they have gone ahead and partnered with the NFL. They are... The Shield is using the XFL. They want to become kind of the the G League for that for for that market, and it kind of worked out the first time. I mean, PJ Walker started a ton of games for the Panthers. He revitalized his career because of the XFL. Young Way Koo was cut from the NFL for being a bust. He went to the XFL, and now he's the most beloved player for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, 
So I think the XFL really can work. Uh, And it's a testing ground as well, right? Like all these rule changes that people are trying out, uh, different officiating methods. They're they're all going to get some run in the XFL. And I think because they have the support of the NFL, they have a much better chance. But I'm with you. It has to all it has to eventually have some kind of fan support. And if fans are not interested, then yeah, it it probably won't last very long. But if the NFL does try to promote it, then maybe you maybe you get a little something there. Because look, what fascinates me here is I don't think the and you're alluding to this here just by saying that there is some crossover between some of its players that ended up making it and some of the the things that the NFL is testing. Uh, I don't think the product's bad from what I, I have seen. I watched a good bit of the USFL because of the Birmingham team last year. It's it's about on par with college football. Sure, I'd say. I mean, um, still these guys are still some of the best players to come from college. I mean, you can't be terrible in college. I mean, mo- a lot of these guys maybe they came at smaller schools or something, but a lot of these guys still are really good for their prospective teams or uh, their prospective le- le- levels. Excuse me. Uh, so I don't think the product's awful. Now some people might not like the the rule the rules. Okay, there are a few different rules, and we've talked about some of those, and if they'd be a good idea for other forms of football, college or pro. But ultimately, the driver of this, even though I think the product is going to be okay, and you've got to have a good product, driver of this is just going to be fan interest, and can you make the moolah? And the NFL makes like all the money. Okay, all of <laughs> we, it. We, we joke all the time about that. Is there any money left to be made for these secondary market football football leagues? And it would seem like the NFL being so popular, and it's clear what the XFL is trying to do here. They started right after the NFL season for a reason. They're trying to, in the same way that a TV station would put a show that they really wanted you to watch right after a big event, like like after the Oscars they put a show. Where I know that runs late, but, but after the Super Bowl, there's a premiere of a new show or a big episode of a show because they want the holdover rating. They want people to stay tuned from whatever they were just watching and give this next thing a try. In the same way, the XFL is trying to say, did everyone like the Super Bowl? Did everyone like the NFL? The end of the NFL season? Well, here's some more football for you. Like this, too. They're trying that, and that's a good idea. But I did see some of the crowds this weekend. They weren't necessarily great in some places. And I just worry about the long-term viability of it. Yeah, I think to do this, you're going to have to create some kind of familiarity, kind of create some kind of bond with the city you're in. And to do that, you're going to have to go to somewhere where there are not a team. That's why there's a team in St. Louis. That's why there's a team in Birmingham. Uh, I think you could put one in Oakland. You know, There are tons of big cities that don't have NFL teams where I think a team, a smaller team could go. I think you have to model it after the CFL. The CFL works because there are no NFL teams in Canada. So they need some kind of American football to latch on to, and it is their version of American football, but it's still American football. And I think if you can do that in America, create kind of your own version of the CFL, then I think it's got a shot. But you've got to you've got to be able to last long enough for people to get attached to you. That is Sports Call's What to Watch for over the weekend. Talked a little SEC basketball there, a little bit about Auburn baseball and Auburn softball, and a little XFL there to wrap things up for this segment. When we come back, final segment of the show for the week, it'll be Sports Call's nightly TV guy, and we'll get you out of here on this Thursday edition of Sports Call.
easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back. Final couple minutes of the show this week. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry with you here. Appreciate Brooks Childress for being here earlier today as well. Again, one final time. Auburn softball coming up tomorrow. Doubleheader right here. That's why we won't be on the air. Over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. Just about right now, they just started uh, the broadcast of Auburn women's basketball as they are in Athens tonight, taking on the Georgia Bulldogs. Six o'clock tip-off for that one. And then coming up right here in about 10 minutes is Tiger Talk again. Starting to wind down the Tiger Talk season. Just a few more left. Uh, so be excited to see what uh, the guys have in store at Baumhauer's Victory Grill for Tiger Talk tonight. Again, coming up right here in Tiger 95.9 in about 10 minutes. But we only have two minutes left in the show. So it's time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. As mentioned, Auburn Women's Basketball, it's also available on TV, 6 o'clock on SEC Network Plus. Are the Auburn Tigers going to the Georgia Bulldogs? Auburn about locked in on seeding. Looks like they will get a bye, uh, but they still need one more win or one more Vanderbilt loss. They need still... Some combination of things still to lock that up, but should be in in store for a buy if they can get one or two more things to work out. Also, women's college basketball at 6 o'clock on ESPN. Number one, South Carolina. They go to Tennessee. Tennessee only has a couple of SEC losses, so that could be a competitive game. Men's college basketball, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. Actually mentioned them a few minutes ago in a way. Memphis taking on Wichita State out of the AAC. Again, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. And a couple of movie picks tonight as well on AMC at 6 o'clock. The Hunger Games. Were you a big Hunger Games guy? I was when they were out. Uh, I have dwindled since, but I have read all the books. Uh, I ended up, that's one of the very few, a very few book series I, I ever read. Mm-hmm. I was not a big reader, but I read those. And I watched those as well. And then also 6 o'clock on E, it is 51st Date, starring Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Incredible movie. I enjoyed that Incredible movie. movie. I love 51st Dates. That is a good comedy. Do you like Sandler and Barrymore as a a whole or just that particular movie? You know, I can't name many Drew Barrymore movies. I think she's absolutely gorgeous. Um, I do like Adam Sandler movies. I still have not seen Uncut Gems. That's that's one of them on my list uh, that I definitely want to see, even though I know it's not the typical Sandler yeah, movie. Yeah, so let's say. <laughs> Very but, uh, different Adam I, Sandler. I, I enjoy Adam Sandler movies, yes. I do too, and Uncut Gems, for what it's worth, is a very good movie. Very intense movie. Yeah. Very intense yeah. movie. Uh, but uh, that was the voice of Brant Daughtry. Brant, appreciate you being here today. We'll see you next week. Thank you for having me. Again, appreciate Brooks Childers, and we certainly appreciate the head baseball coach of Auburn University, Butch Thompson, for joining us on the show today. And we, of course, appreciate you, the listeners and callers, as well. For Brooks Childers and Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Enjoy the full weekend of Auburn sports. 
and we'll talk to you on Monday.